The Berkshire Football Stories podcast has got a new sponsor. Exciting, huh? That doesn't mean that we've got new kit, though. The club secretary has made us print it over the top of last season's shirt sponsor. He reckons it'll stretch to at least another year. He mumbled something about those footballs we keep kicking over the fence, not paying for themselves. Our new sponsor? Oh, that would be MRS Digital, an award-winning digital marketing agency offering affordable social media, pay-per-click and search engine optimization to help local businesses thrive since 1999. To find out more, visit mrs.digital and tell them we sent you. Hello, Tom here. Something a little bit different from the Football in Berkshire team today on our podcast. Uh, This is still the Berkshire Football Stories podcast, but we will drop in uh, probably every week or whenever we record them uh, the audio of our Hellenic League football show with the guys at Seven Sport. It's called East Meets West. Um, and it'll be along in just a few minutes. The regular Berkshire Football Stories podcast will be back with some big names uh, just as soon as Rob and I can get our act together. So we look forward to speaking, listening and everything else aside with you all soon. Stay safe, everyone. Hello and welcome to the East Beast West show, a live broadcast about all things Hellenic League. I'm Rob Davis, your host, and I'm joined by Ryan Butler of Seven Sports and uh, Tom Canning of Football in Berkshire. Hello. Hello, guys. Good evening. Evening. First of all, start off with a slight apology. Uh, we tried to do our first live broadcast in the middle of last week, and uh, it failed, perhaps due to the fact one of the uh, people on the couch was in uh, a country but no it was nothing to do with that it was absolutely nothing to do with that i thought it would have been marvelous if we'd have had it from croatia but you know there we go unfortunately uh, yeah that didn't happen but if anyone was uh, watching wasn't able to see it then we'll make up for it today with double content <laughs> that's what we i'm not love. doing an hour I'm not do- my see. dinner's my dinner's <laughs> just over there i'm not doing an hour <laughs> <laughs> okay gents well how have you been since we last spoke to now that's a loaded question <laughs> That is, this is, yeah, that's a big question, Matt. Well, personally for me, you know, it's, it's been well documented on, on Seven Sport and on Twitter. You know, I ended up in uh, Gloucester Royal on Saturday after passing out at a game. It was just so hot and I hadn't eaten, eaten anything at all. So, you know, I've had a, uh, a lecture from both my mum and a, a doctor. Um, so I've learned my lesson the hard way and, and I'm recuperating and, yeah, ready to go. I, I enjoyed one of the comments, uh, sorry, one of the captions on one of your photos, which was, I told Kelsey to take some pictures. Yeah. Well, you know, if, True if, pro. People, if people see a picture of me on the floor and think, why is Kelsey not helping? Just taking the <laughs> yeah, I was, oh, going, I was laying there going, Kelsey, you're taking pictures, are you documenting this? <laughs> you got to you be documenting it. we got to make sure that there's a, a paper trail and people can see that, you know, this event has happened to the archives. Yeah, <laughs> fair, fair. You're back fighting fit now, though. You're on top. Of yeah, it. yeah, pretty much, pretty much. Still a bit warm though. It's, it's yeah, 20, past, yeah. 20 past eight at night, and I'm still sad thinking about how warm it is. <laughs> <laughs> so you mentioned there that you were actually at a game. I think you've been to a couple uh, since we uh, since we spoke last. Yeah, uh, technically, technically been and seen two and a half games. Um, obviously, on Saturday uh, it was the second half just kicking off when when I did uh, faint. So. Yeah, we've seen a, you know, three of the Hellenic Premier Clubs uh, in Gloucestershire playing. So, 
We've seen Long Levens win at, at Sirencester Town from the league above. Um, so Fair get beat by Sirencester Town on, on the Tuesday. Um, and then Brimscombe played Gwedgley, who are a, a county league side um, around here. And, and, you know, all three games were different. And, you know, luckily for us, plenty of goals and action to, to decipher as we uh, went there. And I can report that while spectators weren't allowed, um, the people that were in attendance and, and everything like that, the social distancing being adhered to um, and really common sense was being used and applied in all three games. And yeah, it bodes well for the future, really. That's what I was going to ask you, really. What uh, sort of, obviously you were there in a, a, a reporting capacity, a journalistic capacity. So uh, you've got to go to the games. So uh, how is that? For you, how is what's different about reporting in the age of COVID, and uh, what do we, uh, uh, what can we expect when we go back to grounds? If we go back to grounds anytime soon, you get left alone quite a lot, <laughs> in the sense that, you know, usually there's there's always people around who you know recognise you, even ground hoppers who may not be um, affiliated to either club that are on show. You know, they like to have a a chat, catch up with what we've been doing, let us know what they've been doing. So it's been none of that interaction really. On the uh, first Saturday at Sirencester, it was probably more formal than than the other two games have been. In the sense that I think that you know it was the first weekend Sirencester were doing two games in in one eve in one day. Sorry. So you know I think a lot of it was we need to stick to the rules here, and because that's that's what in place. No one knew really anything anything different. Then go to the Tuesday night at Fairford Town, where it was a bit more, you know, the these are seven sport. We know what they're about. If we just put them here, they can commentate and they can do their bits and and and, and what have you. And you know, Fairford were really good at being organised and thinking about where everyone was going, who was there, because uh, your sports window were there filming the game. Um, Spikes Diner, they opened that up, so you know, people were were passing. You know, with their food and, and things like that, not necessarily hanging around for the game or, or watching the game. You know, obviously that's a, a separate sort of takeaway outlet. So and there were a few people in passing, but they were quite methodical in where they sat everybody, which was great. And then on Saturday, just gone, you know, we spoke about it on our podcast. It's a public playing field. So it was always going to be hard to police that. Realistically, the only people that, that were there were, you know, Brimscombe and Frupp committee members, um, myself and Kelsey. Um, and then a few of the, the Quedgley third side um, hung around after after their friendly that was on the adjacent pitch had finished. So, again, you know, people have used their common sense. And I think that that is something that, that you know, we are advocates of on, at Seven Sport. And, and we talk about it on the podcast regularly that, you know, it is up to everybody as individuals. You know, there is the, the common sense, the common conception that, you know, football fans are idiots. Football fans are just going to do whatever they want. But at a grassroots level, you tend to find that people have their heads screwed on a bit more. Um, and, you know, rules and, and regulations and guidelines, they get adhered to. And, you know, everyone uses their common sense. And, yeah, I think, you know, the whole hashtag let fans in, which, is, you know, I know we're going to discuss that. You know, it can be done. And, and I think it's about time that the government and the FA supported that and, and you know, give the clubs a bit more freedom to, to police and control it. So, yeah, I've, I was going to come on to that later, but as you touched on it now, um, there is a hashtag going around at the moment, hashtag let fans in, based around uh, the idea that 
grassroots or grassroots clubs steps low um, at steps lower down the league uh, should be able to let fans in to watch the games because the attendances tend to be quite manageable and so uh, social distancing and other precautions can be taken um, what have you thought about these this hashtag and the uh, campaign that's going along with it to get people in to stadiums I think I got so I don't know I, I was asking a couple of chairmen today I was speaking trying to speak to a couple of chairmen today see what they thought um, to, about it because I, I don't know whether I should have or whether whether FIB should have a stance on it um, yeah. I think I th- ultimately I think what 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 I'll say is that um, as long as it's safe then fans should be allowed and there's not really any reason I think I, if I've got concerns um, it's just you know steps clubs at steps four five six seven they're volunteers and I would hate for them to be overwhelmed by um, you know a, a more more people than they expected or you know having to feel that they had to police this because because otherwise it goes back to them I, th- I think it's a there's an insurance issue in there as well if something goes wrong um but you know having to have these volunteers who actually would probably quite like to watch the game a bit as well um having to kind of police this this idea that that people have got have got to stay apart which you know we're all used to and we all should be able to do but uh, you know it it all happens but the other things, and it's just something I was just thinking about, like, you know, so the last time on, on, on this show we were talking about uh, the, the sort of the lockdown and the way that the leagues were finished, and, I, and there was an awful lot of people kind of saying that, well, the, the non-league game should be treated as the pro game. And they say all levels of football should be treated the same. I see you pulling a face right on you, you. But I saw a lot of people saying that, and suddenly now we're telling them that actually, no, it's different. And it's like, what, what, how we have every if we're complaining about messages coming out, we as a group of non league fans have to be clear about what our message is. And to me, non league football is very different to the professional game. I didn't buy into that idea that the pro game is the same as the non league game, that's absolute nonsense. But, um, you know, we we have to be clear about what our messages because that's what it's all about these days it's about messages and and optics and what you put out there and but you know i ultimately i wouldn't want i wouldn't want um volunteers to be overwhelmed i think pre-season most pre-seasons at step four five six are played at park pitches they're rarely certainly around here they're rarely played at clubs home grounds unless it's a uh, uh, unless it's a sort of a, a, a big friendly against you know against a against a, a much bigger club, you know it'd be a bit like sort of Maidenhead going going to a Step Five club, something like that. But you know, sort of a prestige friendly, something like that. I guess ultimately though, if you I, I was trying to think at Windsor, it's not quite the same. Um, at Reading City, it's not quite the same. But if you go to Binfield, you can go into the bar, you can have a beer, and if there's a match on, you can see it out the window. So. You know, where, and it'll be like that a lot. Although I've mentioned two clubs where I don't think it is quite like that. Um, you know, there's a lot. Of, there will be a lot of clubs where it's like that, and you just the non-league game is different, especially at four, five, and six, four, five, six, seven. You know, even even in that little group, step seven is very different to step four. So, you know, come on. <laughs> I, I agree with you, think Tom. I think you know, coming back to what I was saying earlier, you know. A lot of the people who who I've seen at games, you know, they are people who have their heads screwed on compared to, for example, the the elite elite level football. And I think that if you really scale it down, 
the fans that you see at grassroots football, it's more of a community feel. You yeah. know, people are there because they want to be there for the whole experience, to see their friends play a game of football. Um, and, you know, it's that family feel around it. So it's more of a, a purist level of football. For me, that's the difference I see for, yeah. for non-league football to say if it's a Premier League team. You know, a lot... I mean, my older brother's going to absolutely kill me that I'm just sort of uh, using him as an example here. But him and his friends, you know, basically Saturdays going to the football was, you know, a jolly up. It's a social occasion. It's, you know, it, there's more than just a game of football. Whereas, yeah. for example, tomorrow night, myself and Kelsey, we're going down to Slimbridge versus Yate. You know, we're delighted to be going to that game, watching the game as a whole. You know, some of the Yate players used to play for Cinderford last year, so they've moved across there. So, it's nice to just sort of see everybody in there. That's the social aspect of it for us, not the, you know, the big crowds, you know, chanting, the singing mm. and stuff like that. So that's why it's easier to police the let the fans yeah. in, let fans in movement at grassroots level, because you're not going to get inundated with numbers really. Um, coming back to obviously what you're saying about volunteers, you know, a lot of it will be down to the individual clubs, because each club is different. You know, you know that I know that Rob knows that. You know, you, you could probably think about it right now. A lot of the clubs in Berkshire are different to each other. And the same for us up here with Gloucestershire. You know, all of our clubs are different. All the facilities they have are different to, to the next. So each individual club will just need to work out and finally tune what they can do as a club to yeah. limit the spectators. You know, a lot of them have turnstiles now, for example, or one entrance in. So setting up things like a one-way system so they can have someone on the door counting how many people coming in. You know, if, you, if, they, if they're going to have a maximum of 100 people, if someone doing the camping, that's all you need to do. So you know that when you're full up, you just have to say to people, unfortunately, we can't let anybody in. And, you know, it will frustrate people if that was to happen. But at the same time, it shows how proactive a club can be um, in, in self-policing that issue to get the fans through the gate and ultimately get money coming into the club and getting the players the support that they need. In the earlier that these regulations do change, we're hoping that... Um fans are coming back, the earlier the regulations change or the earlier there's guidance about it, we, the earlier the clubs can start acting. So, I mean, it's not, it might be the case that say, for example, I don't think this is going to happen, but uh, the coming weekend they say, okay, uh, clubs have stepped five and below, you can let fans in, but maybe those clubs aren't ready yet because they haven't had the guidance, they haven't been able to set things up. So, I mean, it all starts coming from the guidance and um, and clubs need to know where they stand fairly soon because I think a lot of them need the income, obviously. Some don't, some are in a lucky position, yeah. but um, others do. And so there's going to be a lot of clubs that are in a, a, quite a tough state if they can't let fans in soon. Um, perhaps that's not a reason to do it specifically, you know, especially in these current times, but it, it is sort of something that really needs to, clubs need help out somehow but the flip side of that though rob is you know a lot of people will see that things like pubs and places like that are open yes, to avoid them closing down so it's almost a fine line of you know how do you appease everybody because not everybody drinks alcohol not everybody likes going to the pub yeah but they like going to watch local football that's yeah. their night out that's their social interaction that's them helping a the local business so yeah, no, I, there's a fine line on how you differentiate the two, which, you know, it's always going to be hard. And we've said on, on even episode one, you're not going to be able to find a solution that's going to please everybody. And that's showing uh, not just in football, but in general. 
know, it is hard to, to make sure everyone's happy, but of course everybody's safe in equal measure. Yeah, I do agree. I think it's one of the sectors, lower league football anyway, that hasn't been looked at enough. And I think going back to what Tom's saying, it is should be treated differently for professional football. Obviously, it should. Um, so I think more uh, perhaps the FA or the government between them need to get um, um, work something out a bit more clearly because it's there isn't much in the way of a plan, it seems like. So it just seems like a blanket stop on it. And so hopefully something can change soon. And like you say, it's a sector that needs the port. So why not? Uh, but you have been to a couple of games, like we said, looping back to where we were before. And I believe on your second game, there was actually uh, someone fairly high profile making his debut for a new club. <laughs> of course, of uh, Ian Herrick, former Hungerford Town manager, who made his debut for... Um, non-competitive uh, debut anyway for Fairford Town in their pre-season friendly with two from that. Uh, Tuesday. Yes, last Tuesday. Okay. Um, yeah, first of all, how, how did he get on? How did um, the, the Fairford and Ian Herring specifically get on? Well, firstly, it was nice that I didn't really know anything about Ian as a, a player going into the game. I think that that helped me just take a step back and just watch him in action and, and see how he went about it. And honestly, you know, speaking to Jordan Bevan, the Fairford manager after the game, you know, he was full of high praise for Ian's performance and I would agree with it. You know, he, you know, based on that, I would give him the nickname of the mop because he was just mopping everything up in front of the back four, getting the ball down, playing it off, you know, getting Fairford further up the pitch. And I think that's obviously the job that he's been brought in to do at Fairford and, you know, Fairford as a team, they just lacked a little bit of a bite in the final third. Um, you know, even the management admitted that on the night. They only had one shot in the game um, that I can really remember. So that'll come with time, of course. And, and obviously when they get players in that can provide that. But, you know, he, he played, I think he was only played the first half. But it was a good showing and, and good to build on. He's, I think I imagine he played um, on Saturday in their, their second friendly. Um, but yeah, on Tuesday night, I'd have been very pleased if I was, I was him on his performance. And ultimately, um, Jody Bevan was, was delighted with what he saw. And he is still remaining, remains excited for, for Ian and, and obviously the season that they're hoping to have down at Fairford. Did you think it was a bit of an odd uh, signing, Ian Herring going back to playing after having what you could probably argue is a, a pretty successful time at Hungerford? I mean, OK, the league positions weren't... Fantastic, but I mean, you've got to put that in context of the budget he was given uh, for National League South, and you know, he kept Hungerford up. He didn't get relegated with Hungerford. Do you think it was a surprise he went back to playing rather than maybe looking for another uh, job in management at a similar level? Tom? <laughs> <laughs> um, no, I think that he, from so, so I don't know, I, I know Ian. Only probably over the last year where we'd been conversing about time at Hungerford when we expanded our website to cover Berkshire a bit more. But um, obviously he left Hungerford. Um, I think, I don't, I don't know, I, I sort of, I got the feeling just, just from sort of what he put on Twitter, I, I felt like he was missing it. Um, and then I saw that he was making a sincere effort to get fit. Uh, and so sort of putting two and two together kind of 
thought maybe he'd end and and then there was um, then he sort of alluded to it as well in a in a conversation with me i think that was on twitter as well but um so so there was there was no great surprise that he that he signed for for a for a club um having having spent most of his career at the higher levels of of non-league football and uh, and and a little bit in the professional game, uh, it's not a not a great surprise. So, uh, but signing for signing for Fairford, um, Fairford obviously they they were third last season. Had a had a well, uh, they sort of finished in that third spot at the at the end of that. Um, all I really know about Fairford because I, I don't think I caught them last season. All I really know is that Rob and I spent one of the coldest nights we've ever had at one of the probably one of the worst games we've ever had the fortune to travel well over an hour to. They weren't involved which, though, to be fair. No, they weren't. They weren't, <laughs> and they, and the and the diners great and all that. But um, no, I, I don't know. I've I've always had a bit of a soft spot for Fairford. I went there. I remember driving there from having working in Canary Wharf and driving all the way over to Fairford for a Bracknell Town evening game. Uh, which finished on penalties, and obviously they didn't get home until ridiculously oh. late. So I've, you know, I, I've got, I've got a fair, I've got, a, I've got a soft spot in my in my heart for for Fairford Town, really. Um, but you know, Ian will do a great job wherever he goes because he's committed. Uh, what I know of Ian, he's committed. Um, he's, you know, he's an experienced player. He will only add value to that Fairford Town team without a doubt. Whether it's enough to get them into second or first, I don't know. But yeah, I was going to come to you on Ryan, uh, you Ryan, on that one. Do you think they're uh, good for a, a promotion push this next season, or Binfield based, and Westfield still the ones to beat? I think based on what they've got, and uh, and you know they will kill me for for saying it really, but based on what they've got, I don't think so right now. But with the contacts that the likes of Jody Bevan, Jamie Reed, and Lee Randall have. If they can get the players in just to, to top that squad up, then I don't see why not. Unfortunately, Fairford, almost a victim of their own success in a way. Um, they lost Ben Lodge, who was a good winger who scored some important goals to them at the start of last season. He went to Highworth. Um, it was about sort of October, November last year. And in my opinion, they haven't really replaced him. Um, they lost Connor Thompson, who was you know scoring all sorts of goals, dominating all sorts of games for them. In particularly in the league in that early sort of first six, well first half of the season, um, he's emigrated to, to the US now. You know Ross Langworthy does a job, but he needs a, a bit of support with him. I don't. I felt watching them on on that Tuesday, they just didn't get up up to him. They were playing the ball up to him, and he was winning headers. He was competing, but he just didn't have the support in and around him. And if they can get those players that can just have that forward line there then, yeah, I think they, they can because a lot of that squad is still the same squad as last year. Just needs finally tweaking. And, of course, you know, you've got to remember they've only had two pre-season games. Still no yeah. concrete start date. So, you know, by the time the season is about to start, I could easily sit here and say, yeah, they're going to be fighting for the title, let alone the promotion push or whatever. But based currently on that squad right now, they're probably, I would say, about four players short. And that's being harsh. I think particularly in any striker um, and probably another centre-half based on what I've seen. If they can get that, then, then the, the squad's as good as it was. Good stuff. Well, you heard it here first. Uh, if they have those players, then uh, Butler's tipping them for the title. So uh, <laughs> we'll come back to you at the end if of that, the season. If that doesn't get me a free spike to Diner Burger, I don't know what will. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. 
that's what we're ultimately in it for. So. As much as right, I love a burger, um, I'm not driving all the way to Fairfield again <laughs> for a free burger. We'll have to, uh, yeah, we'll have to big up some more local size and get some I, more. Uh, true, true. Up. I will take their sponsorship, however. <laughs> Very good. Right. Um, section news. Uh, do we have any news uh, coming from the? Let's start with the east side of um, the Hellenic this time. Do, oh, do we have to? Because I forgot to load it up and. Or we can start with the West. Yeah, um, exciting news uh, coming out of the West in the last 24 hours, really. Uh, Bishop's Cleef, they will be revamping Cape Lane um, to install a, a 3G pitch that should be ready for the start of the 2021-22 season. You know, if you look back at the, the suspended season, Bishop's Cleef had a frustrating time of it, really, because they didn't play a lot of football um, from about... October onwards, their pitch just got absolutely sodden. Um, you know, they had their under-18s and the reserve side playing on it too. Um, and the pitch just couldn't dry. It just wasn't allowed enough time to dry. I think they played one game um, in about three months at home. And that was against Grimsby and Frapp. And everyone I spoke to who played on it or coached on it turned around and said, right, you know, that game should not have been played. So, you know, it took a bit of a battering. Um, so it's, it's a smart decision. Um, I think you know the timing is right to, to start looking towards that with a new manager in place um, to try and look for a new era for Bishop's Cleave as they try to get themselves back into the Southern League. Um, they've lost a couple of players to, to Cinderford with Stephen Phil going um, and taking the managerial position there, which was expected really. Um, but they've kept Freddie Ward, you know, experienced, experienced central midfielder and a similar sort of mould as as Ian Herring, really. He'll be Bishop Steve's version uh, in the way he plays. And he, he is literally Benjamin Button. You know, he's one of the fittest men you'll ever see. Um, but yeah, he's a veteran of the game. And, and, you know, it's credit to him for keeping himself in such good condition and having such a high performance level, even at a decent level like that. Good. Uh, do you know when the um, work's going to start? And... Uh... Where, are they going to be playing elsewhere while it's going on, or is it? No, make... I, I, not, it's sort of early days, really. I, I haven't seen too much information about it other than a, a few tweets. So it'll be interesting to see once the details are released exactly what the time scale is, what they're they're planning to do um, in the interim. But yeah, it's all positive for Bishop Steve. I think in the long term, um, it's a fast, fantastic opportunity for them. Cool. Is it still oh. is it still crazy windy there? Uh, yes. I remember yeah. the, the one time I've been there, it was uh, absolutely blowing a gale. And I wondered if it was just the once, but crikey. It's a little bit open, Bishop's Cleave, especially down the far end. Yeah. So yeah. you are, you know, exposed to those elements um, in a big way. Part of the fun, I think. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, what have we got from the east? From, from my side of things, you've got um, Reading City have signed a young lad called Lewis Bebb. Um, he played for Bracknell Town's reserve side last season. Bracknell Town's reserve side finished second in the Suburban League. Um, he also played for Camberley Town in the Combined Counties League. Uh, I've not seen him play. Um, he's, he's new on my radar, so I'll be interested to see how he does. Um, also, Reading, like a number of other clubs, have received £500 towards making the ground safe. Um, that seems like uh, quite a quite a good initiative. That's from the FA and the Premier League's preparation fund. Um, that's done very well. But also in um, ex-professional player news, Dave Tuttle, 
uh, has been uh, confirmed as AFC Aldermaston's manager for uh, next season, uh, continuing on from, uh, I think, halfway through last season when he took over. Um, Dave Dave has uh, the unfortunate... um, in, In my mind, he... It's probably it's really harsh to say because he came into he came into Bracknell all those years ago um, on a budget of nothing and was expected to perform miracles and um, you know it didn't really work out. There were a lot of young, uh, a young a lot of young Reading Reading FC players came in. One of them being Michael Hector, who's just been promoted to the Premier League. Um, but yeah, it didn't it didn't really work. But he's he's won Division One East with Henley Town as well. So you know he's he knows what that level of football is all about. Um, and I would expect AFC Aldermaston to have to, uh, to do to do reasonably well next season. Um, I I love their ground. Uh, it's a it's a it's a strange place. It's in the Atomic Weapons establishment uh, mm. on the outskirts of uh, of uh, well Aldermaston, obviously. Um, but yeah, it's it's sort of you go into this sort of um, heavily armed place, and there's a football ground in there, and there's a social club with a brilliant bar, and it's probably the the best match, the sort of pre-match food in. You know, you can go have a full pub lunch if you like. Um, AFC Aldermaston certainly a place I'd I'd recommend going to visit. It's a, but it's a it's a sort of it's 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 strange in that it's niche enough to be really interesting. Very good. And, yeah. That's my news. I don't think I, no, I don't have anything else. That's it. You had uh, you had Ashley James taking over. Oh, at that was it. Yes, Ashley James uh, has taken over at Burnham. Burnham are just outside of our area. I forgot about that. Thank you. Um, he's just been appointed Burnham manager. Paul Shone stepped down. It's Shown or Sean? Don't know. Shown. I'm going with Shown. Um, <laughs> stepped down uh, a couple of weeks ago. Ash James, I think, was uh, on the playing staff, and I believe was also previously manager of Egham Town. Uh, and had played at Thatcham Town, and I think might have been part of the FA Vars winning side. So you know that'll be a good appointment for them, I suspect. Burnham's one of those clubs that were absolutely flying high for for a number of years. They they were in the the, the Isthmian League, the Southern League, and they've just had an absolute fall from grace over the last couple of years. But they're back in the Hellenic Premier as of last season, and you know we do we're doing all right. They you know it's a strange old ground though, Burnham, because on one side you've almost got like a a, a League Two style grandstand. And the rest of it's just complex, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I, th- I think it's it's a it's a strange old place to go, but you know, good luck to them. Good luck to uh, the Gore, my favourite named ground aside from the dripping pan at Lewis. <laughs> Very nice. Well, that's the end of the news. We move on to our next feature, the uh, team of the season for the 2019 20 uh, season <laughs> that never was. This will go well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so. Last week or last time, we uh, voted on, uh, or we put a Twitter poll out for our, our goalkeeper for the team of the season. Uh, the contenders were Charlie York of Reading City, Harry Harrison Ellis of Fairford, uh, Chris Grace of Binfield, and Harvey Rivers of Westfields. And with 44% of the vote, Charlie York from Reading City was voted in as candidate of um, our first member of the team of the season. So well done to him, and we now have a goalkeeper. So. This week, we're coming on to our full-backs, right-backs and left-backs. Um, do you want to kick us off on this? Who, Which contenders have you got for uh, the full-back positions? Well, I've managed to limit my shortlist. Then. You know, I had 10 goalkeepers, 
Um, pretty much half the league uh, in episode one. So I've limited to four right back, four left. Nice even distribution amongst it. Um, you know, straight away the the pairing at Bishop's Cleave, Luke Payne at right back, Adam Mace at left back. Um, a bit naughty, really, on the fact that uh, both of them have since left the club. But <laughs> for, for the quality they possess, you know, they've both moved back up into the Southern League. And I think that's testament to, to just how good they actually are. They were Southern League uh, quality players last year, Southern League quality players this year. Um, so I have no doubt that they'll do well at a higher level. You know, as I said, Bishop Sleeves didn't play too many times compared to a number of the other clubs. But, you know, the quality was there from both from Luke Payne, for example, scored the winner at Brimscombe. Um, so he, you know, he asked to get a for just how much he improved that Brim, uh, Bishop Sleeves defence. And Adam Mace, you know, he's one of my favourite players uh, in the county. You know, a lot of people will probably tweet me um, after that. and but, but he is, for me, still the best left-back in Gloucestershire in non-league football um, that I've seen anyway. You know, he is just a different class, you know. He is quality on the ball. He can score goals. He can, you know, pick a pass out. He's kept, was captain at Bishop's Cleave as well. So he has that element about him. So they both make it my shortlist. Um, Westfield's pairing as well. I've got Sam Rawlins, who... Used to play for Gloucester City um, a few years ago, and Ollie Butler, who used to play for Bishop Cleave. So we know them in the county. Again, you know, playing for Westfield, you're always going to get um, looks at. You know, Ollie Butler, I've got here played 26 times. Dan Rawlins, uh, 22. So consistently performing at a high level for Westfield. Um, I've got Callum Priest at Fairford for right back, um, and I'll go out on a, a limb right now and say that he is my overall choice for the right back. He's my nomination to go forward on that. Um, you know, again, captain of Fairford last year, they were chalk and cheese um, compared to previous seasons that we've seen them. And he was just that little bit of quality at the back and part of a good back five. Um, Jamie Bremner from Brimscombe and Frupp makes my short list. You know, Brimscombe, who finished quite low in the table and started the season very slowly, he makes it for me, despite the fact he probably played in about 10 different positions for them last season. Um, when I saw him play predominantly as a left back, um, and he was quality. And he really was. Uh, left back, I've also put Nick Stanley, who played at Shrivenham. Again, played a number of positions for Shrivenham throughout the season, but he is predominantly a left back. He's since joined Fairford for this campaign. Um, and after seeing him on Tuesday night, again, like Ian Heron, exciting to see how he can lift that squad and take him forward. And the, the final mention for me um, for right back is Sam Hill, um, who has been at Tuffley Rovers for years. He's now departed Tuffley because he's leaving the UK to go and teach in Dubai, which is a fantastic opportunity for anybody. So he is going to be a big miss, not just as a player, but as a person as well. And he had a, a bad season last year of injury. Um, you know, otherwise he, you know, will be my favourite right back uh, in the league. So, you know, he is a, a big miss and, and I wish him well. But they're my shortlist. And you know, as I said, my nominations really are Callum Priest and, and Adam Mace uh, accordingly. I believe my for uh, one that from the West that I had that you didn't was Isaac Johns at uh, Longleavens. He's yeah. uh, got uh, yeah, 28 games and six goals last year, uh, left back slash left wing I was back. Say, I was going to say, the interesting thing about Isaac Johns is he's actually uh, originally a striker. Yeah. But what it is, because of how he plays uh, the game and how dedicated he is and how, you know, if, if Craig Martin tells him, you know, to jump, he'll ask how high and he's that dedicated as a young player. He has that discipline to play at, at left wing back, and, and really, some of the best performances that I've seen from him have been at left wing back, which is, mm. you know, 
for a young player to have that sort of discipline, um, I'm delighted that, that you, you've put him on that list, to be fair. And, and yeah, I think he's a, an underrated player for sure. Cool. Uh, you want to add uh, one or two more from the uh, East side of things? Right. So my problem here is that um, the 2019-20 season was a long time ago. Um, I, I, full, fullbacks are tough because if you're if you're a really good fullback, you're going to be getting up and down and getting forward and 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 if you're a bad fullback, I don't know. I'm not really sure what I'm trying to say. That I'm just trying to it's just fill some time for a second. But <laughs> basically, over this way, I think there have been a lot of fullbacks. Um, I think. Uh, when we get to centre-backs next week, I'll give you a list, no problem. I, I find it hard to identify full-backs, I, th- I think. Um, like, I think Binfield had, have had four really good full-backs all season. Um, Reading City, Windsor, Virginia Water. You know, I, I, basically, I can't pick them out. And I'm sorry, I'm a, I was a full-back myself. And um, maybe that's my problem. I don't know. Anyway... Um, I've got one and a half. Um, so I think uh, the fullback I will put forward is Jack Thompson-Wheeler from Binfield. Played 31 games, two goals. Uh, never barely put a foot wrong all season, uh, in my opinion. Um, I, I thought he was excellent. You did. You had uh, Callum Gallimore on the opposite side. Will Shaw also played there, um, and and they've had, they had a couple of other players. Uh, you know, Callum Gallimore's a, a terrific player, um, but you know, Jack Thompson Wheeler played 31 games. He was consistent as far as I could see um, throughout the season. He's my nomination. There is another lad, but I think I saw him play the previous season. It's a guy called Tom Griffiths who plays for Ardley United, and. I'm pretty sure I saw him the previous season, and I think he played left back, right back, and centre back in the throughout the game that he was in. Um, but I'm pretty sure it was the previous season. I, he, he did. It looks like he did play for Ardley last season, but I, I don't think he qualifies because I don't think I saw him last season. I think it was the previous season. But I, I you know, I might put him forward anyway. But basically, uh, Jack Thompson Wheeler gets my vote, um, not least because his mum once told me off because I called him Jack Wheeler Thompson. Is that right? Back? Is he right back or left back? I, I think it's, it's definitely right back. Yeah, right back. There's Elliot Leg as well was another one. Yeah, yes, that's the yes. Yeah, sorry, Elliot Leg is the fourth one. He's yeah. the fourth Binfield. For the, you know, just four excellent fullbacks, but Jack certainly played the majority of the games. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, yeah. Elliot Leg for comparison, for example, scored. He uh, played in fourteen games. He did score three goals in that time. <laughs> left. Um, unbelievable player, terrific player. Yeah. So he was going to be on my list as well. Um, it's also Arthur Furness at uh, Reading, who is playing. Uh, at oh, he's he's gone now, isn't he? He's left. Uh, he's left very recently, yeah. So in the, in the last week or so, I believe. So yeah. So he was going to be another one. Uh, but I also uh, um, it was a sort of an honourable mention for um, club stalwart of Reading City, Austin Best, who was playing a lot of games at right back last season, um, despite uh, you know that not being his natural position or it is a position that he sort of has adapted to as the season went on so uh, he certainly he got um, a lot of praise from uh, his boss when he resigned uh, uh, this week I think it was so um, I'm just going to throw him in there for an honorable mention anyway I think we've got to get this down to four in each position 
I imagine we can uh, probably, rather than do the admin now, we can do that slight, uh, slightly off air and uh, we'll come up with a list. You've heard, heard our contenders and we'll narrow it down to four each. Let's we'll... narrow it down to four now. Let's do it. You reckon? Yeah. So I've, 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 I've been taking notes. Obviously, we've got uh, Callum Priest and Jack Thompson Wheeler for right back currently. Um, do you want to put Austin Best in there from Redden City, Rob? Uh, he, yeah, well, it was certainly an honourable mention, yeah. And you had Elliot Leg from Binfield. You said he played on the, the left-hand side. Yeah, he's left. Yeah. My only caveat with Elliot is he, I don't think he played enough games. Yeah, he played 14 games. So it's not I like hate that. to be that. Like, next season, if he plays 30 games, if he plays 30 games next season, I, he, I don't know. Are we doing right-backs, a one right-back vote and one left-back vote? Yeah, ideally. Okay. Okay. Elliot Leg is a right back, left back, right back. I think he's a left back. Yeah, I think he plays yeah. um, opposite. Oh, it's not my night, is all I will say. <laughs> um, well, okay. You know, I could have got it wrong, and then uh, he's probably played both sides for a while, and then uh, yeah, I'll get pelted later on. But it, I don't know. I think is if you're going left backs, I don't think you can have Elliot Leg above Gallimore. Okay, let's go for that then. Just based based on games played, but there we go. So we we narrowed this down. Yep. So we got two left backs and three right backs. Cool. Okay. Are we do? So we do. Is it two two right backs against each other and three left backs against each other? Is that what we're doing? Uh, so what I'm thinking is doing two polls on seven sport. One for yep. right backs, one for left backs. Just do yep. it. Yeah. Four right Fine. backs against each other. So yep. we need a we need a right back and we need two left backs. Okay. Well, do you want to put Isaac Johnson for the left back position? You were very keen that I brought him up. Long Levens will be absolutely delighted that Isaac Johnson made. <laughs> he's, named, yeah. uh, he's named Manager's Player of the Year, to, which was a shock to everybody, um, including him. Um, but he's a wonderful <laughs> young man, looks like Johnny Bravo, and a hell of a player. So we'll take it. <laughs> okay. And then uh, um, I think, like I say, we've only got East players in at the moment, have we? So, uh, or have you put some of your uh, top? So we've got, out of the six now we've got, we've got three from the West, three from the East. Should we leave it at that? <laughs> well, what I can do is we can add. Uh, so I've got I've got players from from Westfield and also Brimskirm and, and Shrivenham in my list. So okay, maybe if I just drop one of each in there. Fine by me. I have nothing else to add to this conversation. <laughs> well, we'll add we'll add Luke Payne to the to the right backs. I'd if I, I'd just like to apologise to all full backs who might be watching this at any point, uh, I will be paying extra special attention to fullbacks next season. Yeah, we'll uh, get lots of comments about this one. And, uh, Hopefully. Yeah. And I've decided we'll go Nick Stanley for left-back. <laughs> it's nothing if not a uh, democracy. Uh, West, Westwoods won't be happy. I've just picked against both of their, their, their choices I've got on there. But They're quite far I'll, from you, though, aren't they? I'll, I'll take the bullet on that one, I think. <laughs> yeah, you're a long way away. West is best, yeah. and it always is, so we'll do that. Mm. Very good. Okay, so those polls will be up online shortly after the, the uh, conclusion of the broadcast, and uh, we'll hopefully, hopefully get you voting, and we'll reveal the results next week, or whenever we uh, broadcast next. Next Monday, uh, hopefully. And a reminder, if you disagree with us, let us know. <laughs> yes. If you think that we're stupid for what we're saying, just tweet us. Just reply yeah. to the oh, point absolutely, saying, yeah. come on, lads, how have you missed this player off? You have clearly yeah. got a thicker skin than I have, because I was saying, don't tweet us at all, just leave it alone. <laughs> you know, just just keep it in your head and just, you know, all let, let it go. Let it so, go. You know, just let it go. 
even the negative tweets can be uh, spun into a positive way. Exactly. Yeah. Engagement is key. There we go. So, um, what have you guys got on this week? Are we looking at any football? Uh, looking forward to what's going on? Are we going to any games? Are we looking forward to any games that are coming up? Yeah, I'm. Uh, I'm at Slimbridge versus Yate tomorrow. As I said earlier on, um, Slimbridge are one of our seven league sides in the area. So I mean, nice to get a full commentary um, with Kelsey under our belts. You know, we've managed to sort the server issues out that we had. They limited us previously, so yeah, delighted with that. Thursday, there's a Thursday night game. Um, first chance to see Tuffley Rovers in action, so we're heading down to Cleveland Park for that one. Um, and then there's a game on Saturday, which you know, me and Kelsey have left our options open, um, and we'll discuss over the week which game to go to, but it's nice to just have the option um, to, to get to a game. Absolutely, yeah. Tommy, you uh, got any you got your eyes on or you're looking forward to? Uh, it depends. It's a, it's a difficult weekend for uh, family reasons. If there was a game that I was going to go to, um, it would probably be Reading City v Hartley Whitney um, in a press sort of capacity. capacity yes. Uh, don't go to Reading City <laughs> v Hartley Whitney um, unless between now and uh, the end of the week they say let fans in or they let fans in so yeah all of these uh, look forwards are done in a journalistic capacity as Tom said so, absolutely yeah and which, as it goes we put myself I don't think I'll go to any but I'll be keenly following all the results yes I, it's not a high chance of me going but uh, if I do I, I just I don't know pre-season when I'm when I'm working away, when I've been working away, uh, so different parts of the country, pre-season has been an absolute godsend because it's something to do. You can probably find a game Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. Yeah. But when I'm sat at home, uh, the idea of just going down to a park and watching a... Mm, I, I mean, I like football, but football's always... It's more about the... Like, like your brother, Ryan, it's about the social aspect. Mm-hmm. Oh, it must yeah. be a Reddit thing, really. Yeah. Maybe. You know, I used to take advantage and go and maybe go and see a few places that I haven't seen before, sort of, and check out a couple of teams that are a bit further afield that I perhaps I wouldn't normally get to see. But uh, yeah, not exactly going to do, be doing that this year. So, no. so there we go. Anyway, uh, does anyone have anything else we need to discuss before we uh, wrap things up? Uh, no, 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 I think I'm, I'm good, really. Yeah, I think I'm good as well. I think I'm good. All right. Well. Um, uh, Tom, do you want to let people know where they can find all the uh, football in Berkshire stuff? Yes, please send abuse um, and anything else to uh, at FI Berkshire on Twitter. You can find Football in Berkshire on Facebook and um, www.footballinberkshire.co.uk. Please come along and say hello and look at the website because uh, it's marvellous. Brilliant. And Ryan, everything from uh, Seven Sports, where can we get you? sevensport.co.uk is the website info at sevensport.co.uk on the email facebook.com forward slash sevensport and at sevensport on twitter and also uh, just a reminder to come back next week because Tom's going to have a list of 25 centre-backs um, <laughs> that we can just work our way through exactly yeah. a big epic next week that we're going to have to run about seven twitter polls for so, uh, <laughs> semi-finals finals well, we'll, have, the, uh... we'll have left-footed centre-backs right-footed centre-backs six-foot centre-backs Five foot yeah, centre backs. Yeah. We could best have centre back in the air. Best centre yeah, back. Yeah, could have central Berkshire centre backs, east Berkshire <laughs> centre backs. Uh, where can we have a west Berkshire centre back? No, not maybe. We'll see. Anyway, yeah, I'm done. One to look forward to. Anyway, <laughs> so um, 
before we uh, delve any further into that and ruin all our content for next week, I will uh, we will wrap things up and say um, all that's left to say is goodbye from us. Uh, uh, Tom, you want to say goodbye? Bye. Ryan, you want to say goodbye? Take care, everybody. And it's goodbye from me as well. Goodbye, Ryan. Goodbye. Ryan, don't fall over again. The Berkshire Football Stories podcast has got a new sponsor. Exciting, huh? That doesn't mean that we've got new kit, though. The club secretary has made us print it over the top of last season's shirt sponsor. He reckons it'll stretch to at least another year. He mumbled something about those footballs we keep kicking over the fence, not paying for themselves. Our new sponsor? Oh, that would be MRS Digital, an award-winning digital marketing agency offering affordable social media, pay-per-click and search engine optimization to help local businesses thrive since 1999. To find out more, visit mrs.digital and tell them we sent you.